The reading today is from John's Gospel, chapter 17, verses 1 through 5. After Jesus said this, he looked towards heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son, that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Hello, it's so good to be here virtually with you all. Hello if you're new, hello if you've been with us at Greyfriars for a long time. My name's Annie, I'm a member of Greyfriars Church. I do many things, as well as being mum to two boys and married to Pete, who's been leading us in worship today. Today we're carrying on in our Abundant Life series. Last week, John looked at the end of John 17, and today we jump back to the beginning of chapter 17. I'll be honest, when I was asked to preach this week and I saw that it was only five verses, I thought, excellent, this should be nice and easy. And then I read the five verses and thought, whoa, okay, perhaps not. There is so, so much in this very short passage. So over the next 20 minutes or so, I'll pick out a few things, attempt to unpack them, and then we'll have a think about what those things might look like for us in our week ahead and ponder some questions but I would really encourage you to go away and read and pray and ask God to continue speaking to you about those verses. Let's pray together now as we begin. God, thank you that you are here with us. Thank you that as we meet in our homes across Reading and beyond that you are with us. And we pray that you would speak to us as we look at this passage together and as we ask you to teach us more about your love and who you are. Amen. So, we're at the start of John 17. The whole of this chapter is a prayer. And in this first section, we find Jesus, in verses 1 to 5, just hours before he would be arrested. And we get to eavesdrop in on his prayer. We get a window into his relationship with his father as he looks to heaven and prays for himself. We see in Jesus' prayer his desire to glorify God. In verse 1 it says, After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. And then in 4 and 5 it says, I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Whether you've been a Christian for many years or simply a matter of days, glory is not an easy word to define. In fact, I felt quite relieved when I went to have a look at what John Piper, who's a theologian I often rely on to unpack the complicated stuff for me, um, said on the matter. And he said, defining the glory of God is impossible. And he used a great analogy, which I'm going to adapt slightly to explain how hard it can be to define. The word glory is more like the word beauty than the word football, for example. If someone said they'd never heard of a football or didn't know what a football was, it would be possible to explain it to them. You might use your hands and say something like, it's a round thing made of leather or plastic, it's about this size, you use a pump and blow it up until it's pretty hard, and then you can throw it to people or you can kick it with your foot, 
That's why it's called a football. You might even show them a football. Like this. And then they'd know what a football was. They'd be able to spot one and they'd be able to identify it for themselves. You can't do that for the word beauty. Beauty is a word which we communicate with, not so much by saying it, but by seeing it. So we might be able to point to lots of things and say, that's it, that's it. And then we get a kind of sense of what beauty is. But when we try and define it and put it into words, it becomes a bit trickier. To understand glory a little better, it's helpful to contrast it first with holiness. We know from the Bible that God is holy, meaning, putting it very simply, that he's infinitely perfect, infinitely good, and completely and utterly worthy of our praise. In Isaiah 6, Isaiah sees a vision of God. In 6 verse 3, he hears the angel say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Now you might imagine this verse would say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his holiness. But it says, God is holy and the whole earth is full of his glory. Glory is like the going public of his holiness. It's God's holiness on display for all to see. I listened to a great podcast from the Bible Project this week, which I totally recommend if you want to think a bit deeper about this, as there is so, so much more than I can fit in 20 minutes. Um, I'll share the link alongside the video. In this podcast, they explained how the Hebrew word for glory as a noun is the Hebrew word kavod, K-A-V-O-D. The basic simple meaning of this word is heavy. So we can think about the heaviness, the weightiness of something, but more than that, it becomes a metaphor for something significant, how much it matters, how much bearing it has on other things. For example, when God physically shows up on Mount Sinai in Exodus 24, he comes down onto the mountain and there's fire and cloud and smoke. When God shows up, his cavod, his glory, his presence is a powerful storm. It's important. It matters. It has significance. When Isaiah had that vision of God that I mentioned earlier, he was overwhelmed. And then we see in Exodus 33, 12 to 23, where Moses asks to glimpse God's glory. God hides Moses in the gap between some rocks and he covers his face, only allowing him to see God's back as he passes. The full glory of God, seeing God's face would have been too much. Moses couldn't see it fully or he would have died. There is such a weightiness to God's presence, to his glory. The earth in its full, is the fullness of God's glory. Everything he's made is his glory. All of it points towards God's significance and his weightiness. The beauty, the grandeur is all a testimony to the one who made it, the creator. So we see when we look at Jesus' prayer here in John 17, Jesus says he has brought God's glory to the earth. And like it says in Colossians 1 verse 15, Jesus is the image of the invisible God, showing who God is to the world, revealing his glory, pointing to his significance. He's going public with God's holiness. I don't know about anyone else, but as I've been thinking about that over this week, I found this weighty. I found myself in awe of God's glory, overwhelmed with it and wanting to know more of him. And I pray that as you listen and think about this passage, that God would stir up in each and every one of us a desire to see more of his glory, a desire to know his holiness in our every day. Right, 
So now that we totally understand what glory is, we'll move on. <laughs> As we look through our window to see Jesus pray, we see him looking to God. We see him looking forward to the cross asking that God's holiness would be put on display as he finishes the work he came to earth to do. This prayer is for himself, but in verses two and three, we see him talk about all people. We see here Jesus' depth of love for us. He wants each and every one of us to have eternal life. He came to the earth and willingly went to the cross. He knew that incredible pain and anguish lay ahead of him, and yet, he still chose to willingly lay down his life so that you and I could have eternal life. How much love does that take? In verse 3, Jesus explains what eternal life is. That they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That they know you. Eternal life is being able to have a relationship with God and Jesus. Sometimes I think we can take for granted that we get to actually have a relationship with the creator of the world. For people living at the time of Jesus, being on the earth, the time of Jesus being on the earth, this would have been huge for someone to suggest that they could have had that intimacy with God, having never ever had it before, it would have been mind blowing. Jesus died so that each and every one of us could have abundant life, so we can know the true God and Jesus so that we could live in relationship with our creator. When I spoke to our youth pastor Dan earlier in the week he used a great analogy for this that understanding a little bit of God's glory and knowing that Jesus died to give us eternal life is a bit like climbing to the top of a mountain. Like we've reached the top of Mount Sinai and glimpsed God's glory but we don't stay up at the top of the mountain we come back down the other side back to the everyday. So how do we come back down the mountain with him? What does it look like to come back down that mountain in relationship with God? Well, it's personal and intimate. We don't have to wait for someone else to go on our behalf to talk to God like people did in the Old Testament. We can chat to him whenever we want, all day long, in the messiness of our everyday lives. We get to be connected with him all the time. He's close to us. As we draw near to him, he draws near to us. His Holy Spirit is with us. And we don't just talk to him. We're in a two-way relationship, able to have an ongoing conversation about anything, whenever and wherever we are. And God speaks to us and we can catch what he's saying however he chooses to speak, whether that's through his audible voice, through words or pictures, through his Holy Spirit prompting us or physically through our bodies. And as well as being in relationship with God, through our lives we can bring glory to God. We can bring honour to our creator through the way we live. If you look on in John 17, which John talked about last week, we see that Jesus prays for his disciples and for all believers. The final verse, verse 26 in John 17 says, I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Just as Jesus came to earth to reflect God's glory and display his holiness, we are made in God's image and Jesus' prayer is that the world would know him and know his love through us. He prays for unity among believers so that the whole world will believe.
in Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, Paul says, so whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And at this point, people are arguing over whether they should be eating certain foods and about what's right and what's not. And Paul says, don't worry about that. Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. The point is that Paul says, you can do anything for the glory of God. We can use our whole lives to share God's goodness and his holiness. Sharing God's glory and the amazing truth that Jesus died on the cross so we could have eternal life, relationship with him, is a bit like going to a gig or a concert. Say you go to see your favourite band, you take photos and videos, you share them online, you might even turn around and try to get the best selfie you can with you and the band in it, you try and capture the experience, you might send those photos on, but even if you talk about it all the time, if you show me all your pictures, even a video, or if I watch it on the TV and glimpse some of what it might have been like to be there, I won't fully know what it was like to experience it unless I was actually there. Another analogy could be family. I could come to your house, I could, well, not right now, but in the future, I could come to your house, I could see the photos on the wall, you could get all your childhood photo albums out and tell me hours and hours worth of family stories. You might tell me about how your brother is mischievous or how your mum is really kind. But unless you invite me to a family dinner and I come along and actually share and experience time with your family, I won't really know or experience what your family is like. In verses 1 and 4, we heard Jesus pray about how he has glorified God by finishing the work he came to earth to do. By going to the cross and by being raised to new life, Jesus publicly displayed God's holiness. We can't even begin to glimpse God's glory or the incredible invitation to eternal life unless we experience it for ourselves through accepting Jesus and letting him have complete control of our life. So I wonder, are we experiencing God's glory in our lives so that we can invite others to join us? And are we praying that others would experience God's glory for themselves? We're going to spend some time responding to that now. So I will pray for us and then we'll spend some time waiting on God together in our homes. Father God, we thank you that you are holy. We thank you that you sent Jesus to earth to die for us because you love us so much. And God, we thank you for that promise of eternal life. And as we wait on you now, God, as we draw close to you, would you draw close to us? And would you speak to us? As I was praying this week, I felt that there might be some watching who are in really tough circumstances, and that may well be an awful lot of us at the moment. And I felt that God wanted to remind you that he is glorious in all circumstances. He's worthy of praise in every situation. And maybe the question we want to ask is, do we need to step into experiencing his glory? 
to ask him to be revealing his glory in the everyday. So God, we pray if that's for us, would you help us to see your goodness and your glory in every circumstance? God, would we would you help us to step into seeing your glory? Lord, would you, you speak to us? Would you draw close to us? Would it be impossible for us not to see you at work in the everyday? And maybe you've heard this today and actually it's the first time that some of this has really spoken to your heart. Maybe it's the first time you've really heard about that invitation to eternal life or thought about what a relationship with God might really look like in the everyday. And if that's you, I'm going to pray now, but I'd really encourage you to, to chat to someone, to speak in the chat or to um, to get in touch with us at Greyfriars. Um and I pray, God, would you speak, continue to speak into the hearts of people who have heard you afresh or new this morning? God, would you be continuing to reveal your love? Lord, would you, would you speak to us as we learn what it's like to be in relationship with you? And perhaps as we accept that invitation today. And as I finish, I wanted to pray that prayer for the Ephesians in Ephesians 3, 14 to 21, which is just an incredible prayer for someone to understand more of God's glory, of his love. And it's a prayer that I pray for every one of you listening. And it's something that um, it's just worth reading and just asking God to keep speaking about his love and his glory. So for this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. And now we're going to carry on in our service and worship together. <laughs> 